Sing Glory! Today we're sitting down with Carly Jensen, massage therapist and founder of Lugo Body Work, where she addresses this bio-psycho-social-spiritual being through various structural integration, somatic, and mindfulness modalities. Do you remember the days where it was just you, your mom, and the kitchen all to yourself? And on these occasions when the heaping loaves of homemade bread were running low, you'd take to the kitchen to revel in the process of helping her knead the dough. I can only relate too well to the kids of today and their obsession with slime. But anyway, forget the slime. Think dough. That's the total vibe I got when talking to Carly. This Hawaiian-based goddess, a voice like caramel, depicted her therapeutic massage work with her clients in a way that all too closely resembled my childhood enthusiasm for kneading dough. Slow, meditative, intentional. You work out the kinks. You pay attention to the person's skin quality. Though this is obviously as far as my bread-making skills took me. Tuning into their breath. Feeling their pulse. Being in tandem with that person. Being solely there for that person. Whether this be their means to releasing something deeper. Or the act of some well-deserved self-care. Internal becomes external becomes internal. This episode really brings touch to the forefront, human touch, an entire dialogue we seem to have forgotten or want to ignore and shoved under the rug to be quite frank, along with all of our fears and insecurities that this form of connection conjures up. Being entirely mindful towards those victimized by non-consensual violations of their space and body, I'm speaking to the broader extent to which our perspective of self and the vulnerability we allow reflects back upon a society starved of a language which, at birth, we couldn't have done without. To book a session with Carly, you can go via her website, likobodywork.com. Her practice is based in Kauai, Hawaii. In Hawaiian, liko means to glisten as dew or to unfurl as new. I don't think anything else would have been more appropriate. This is Biopsychosocial Spiritual with Carly Jensen. A quick heads up, we're dealing with an overseas conversation here, so the audio may reflect this. Coming to you from Kauai, Hawaii, in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. I think that I would best describe myself as just a multifaceted human who's living just like everybody else. It changes every day. So, um, yeah, I'm just me. It's super simple like that. And essentially you're a massage therapist, but how would, because there's so many moving factors to it, and knowing a little bit about your background and having seen that kind of evolve online, how would you break that down? I was trained in a form of bodywork called interoceptive structural integration, Um, the cool part about our program was that it was also paired with Hakomi training, which is a type of somatic psychotherapy. So it's like a body-based therapy where we relate, um, what we're thinking and like experiencing in the moment to felt sensations in the body. And I feel like that's impacted my work and how I kind of treat humans in a massage sense where I let them 
have their experience and I'm also in a state of listening with them so it's all about them and not what I feel like is happening for them. In building up to this point in your life has have you more so leaned towards basing your decisions off of logic or intuition and gut? Wow um wow well I kind of have a different perspective on intuition, I think, than some people. For me, it's one of the most natural processes that humans have. Um, I feel like it gets kind of woo-wooed out in a way, which is fine. I'm like, I'm about the woo-woo in certain situations, but... That's also why we're here. Intuition. Yeah, exactly. But I, I truly feel like intuition is one of the most logical, natural processes that a human can go through. Like, we kind of are out here in this world and our brains are processing everything that's happening around us at such a fast pace and relating it to our body through our central nervous system and that leads to these aha moments you know these moments that are sensational like the the clarity and the the butterflies and the gut feeling like those are all sensations that we're feeling you know and I just feel like that's literally what humans do, and that is intuition. So I would say that I, the more, especially the more that I nourish and meditate and pay attention to that process, uh, the more I'm moving with my intuition. It's that self-guidance. Um, so definitely intuition, definitely. And around what point in your life did you start consciously implementing it, intuition more was it during these this time where you started giving space to this and actually using it within practices that would further help establish this connection with intuition or was it kind of a, triggered by a moment in your life an event I would say definitely that I started to get more in touch with my intuition when I decided to move to Hawaii. It was like a super impulsive decision that I made when I was working at my old job. And I literally just went home and bought this one-way ticket. And I've never traveled. I had never been alone. And it felt so scary, but also just so right. And it turned out to be one of the best decisions I've ever made. So I feel like that started the domino effect for sure of like listening to myself and letting myself have this knowing and trusting it. And how have you seen it now that it's definitely more of a conscious element within your life? How have you seen it give space to your desires and your goals? Oh man, um, it's interesting because it's almost like a daily thing like I can't I can't force my intuition to show me the future if that makes sense so it's almost just being present with what's happening now and tapping into that 
clarity and that that felt sense of okay my next direction is this it's it's very it's very in the moment I'd say and so if I just let myself be really present and really mindful I know that I'm going to be okay just I just move from that space and as a massage therapist the primary means of treatment with which you handle and care for a client is very physical based and I really want to touch more on human connectivity and how the human touch has impacted your own life and just within our society's lack thereof how you would say we'd benefit more from touch wow well how it's impacted me I mean I have so much um I have so much more compassion for people and I, I just, one of my teachers, um, says something in school that I carry with me in my work and then have really seen it kind of blossom out into all relation in the real world. And she said, if there wasn't anything to fix here, then what? And it just kind of blew my mind. Like, I think in massage therapy, there's the tendency to want to, like, help this person and fix this person. And maybe that's, like, just a healer thing in general. Um, But there's something really special about looking at a person as they are, uh, even if they're in a lot of pain or they're going through it or they're feeling something really big. And just allowing that to be part of the sphere of who they are um and then to add touch into that and let that kind of mindset of okay this person is okay just as they are right now so how am I going to touch them do I do I need to lighten up do I need to um move faster uh it's just all listening and and really like paying attention to people. So I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought a little bit, but yeah, I think that that has really benefited relation outside of massage therapy. And then as far as like how we can benefit from touch, oh my my God, like I just could go on and on about it. I think it's really absurd to think of the polarity Uh, in that we received so much touch when we were infants and our our lives essentially depended on it. Like we really couldn't have become who we are without touch from our mother. We couldn't have lived. We literally couldn't have survived. And then to see, you know, how touch starved we are to this day, uh, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me, and it's kind of sad. So I think even teeny bits of touch, you, you know, tiny little increments of exploring with close friends and loved ones and family is, like, really, really powerful for us. I really do think that, that that's so beneficial for us. It's beneficial for our nervous system, for our immune system, for our mind for our emotions, our capacity to to um, empathize and care for ourselves and other people. Um, yeah, I could 
keep going on. I, I really advocate for safe, um, nourishing touch. And what's a way that you kind of bring this into your own space, especially among family and friends, because it's just, it's an, it's an entire dialogue within itself and no one touches anymore. I mean, you brush shoulders with someone in public transport, but yeah, how do you bring this into your own space? Well, uh, I can speak from personal experience or I can kind of take the angle of like the everyday, like I'd say pretty average, um, especially American. And I feel like in the United States where we're pretty touch starved in general, um, I, I had to get used to allowing touch. Uh, I was born and raised in Michigan, really like traditional Midwestern family. And when I moved to Hawaii, there's something so, I don't know how to describe it. There, it's, it, you know, people say it's so friendly. Everybody is so friendly here, and it's so true. You meet people, and they want to hug you. They want to embrace you and kiss you on the cheek, and it's just so not like that where I grew up. Um, so I did really have to get used to that embrace, and sometimes it didn't feel good, and sometimes it did. And I think that we all have to take responsibility for that, especially when we want to start reaching out and implementing touch into our lives. Like we have to take responsibility for the fact that maybe this person does need space. Maybe they don't need me to touch them. And that's kind of where I'm so grateful for all of these Hakomi uh, tools that I learned on how to really like track people's reactions and track people's body and track people's pulses um, so that I can know um, whether or not to move forward with with touching somebody and uh, yeah I think that starting with friends is a really safe place and being straightforward with them, being transparent and saying, hey, I really want to explore this idea of touch um, with somebody that I feel safe with. I feel like I can really benefit from having more compassionate, nourishing touch in my life. Do you want to try it out with me? Um, it doesn't have to be too complicated, you know? Human touches supernatural yeah I remember sometimes just hanging out with friends it's just as basic as being like hey I really want a foot massage can we just like you know clean socks foot uh -huh. massage and you're good and they say so much negative energy is released uh -huh. through the feet and I benefit from a good foot massage it doesn't have to be so complicated or a shoulder massage or a head massage just easy ways that you can implement it like that totally or even like a really good hug. Yes. You know, something short and sweet. And so I love how we're stepping away from seeing the qualms of the mind and body as isolated symptoms. And that we're learning to look at mind, body, and spirit as one entity. And as you touched on earlier, somatic body work 
describes it as biopsychosocial spiritual. But when a client approaches you, what's the procedure in setting up a session with them? If they have a different approach to say they have a bodily concern compared to a psychological aspect, like is there any difference in the structure of a session? How does that work? Ooh, um, I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily work that strategically. Um, <clears throat> most of my clients that I see in my private practice are looking for something that's going to allow them to rest mostly. That's kind of what geared my work towards is like a state of rest and relaxation and mindfulness and so if a client comes to me with pain also uh kind of intermixed in um we'll definitely definitely address it uh like through touch um i learned a pretty cool technique in school um, by this man named Michael Pollan that are basically just static holds that you do for people. And I find that doing this for people who are experiencing pain is so beneficial. I am not moving at all. I'm literally just holding like the, the area and just letting them drop it. And I'll sometimes ask them if they're interested in dropping it. And to let somebody, especially when it's a chronic injury, so something that's not necessarily problem in the moment as far as inflammation or damage, it's all just a remembering of the accident or trauma. I just find that that's like a really gentle way to remind somebody that they can let that go. Hey, you could, how do you feel about letting this go right now? And sometimes it happens in like clunks, you know, like, oh, can I? Oh, can I? Oh, I can seriously do this. It's so fascinating. But aside from chronic pain, um, our bodies are already speaking and listening so a session with me would be me moving through the areas of the body in a rhythmic kind of integrative way and I'm basically watching you the whole time I'm watching the quality of your skin color I'm watching for your pulse I'm watching your breath and I'm just paying attention to you in that moment it sounds like you're needing dough I love it. And in that context... Yeah, sometimes it is really me. How have you seen clients react? Has there, have you seen perhaps a release of suppressed emotions sometimes? Or when they, when they let go, how have you seen that kind of impact them afterwards? Oh, oh wow. I've seen... A, I feel like... Um, wide range of that letting go everything from just like the appearance of this person 
being a little bit lighter or, or a little bit more draped over themselves to just like a general gratitude a lot of people maybe don't know how to they know how to let go we all know how to let go but they don't know how to to express to somebody that that's happened so I've seen a lot of really subtle expressions of it and then also had really big moments with people really big feelings and um you know crying and and like full body dropping and um yeah it's been really powerful on the other side of the spectrum too and again i'm so grateful for the training and the teachings that i got um because i have all the tools that i need as a massage therapist in order to hold that space for a person safely and without agenda um yeah in that context you're really making space for another and that you are solely there for them so when it comes to being mindful of that and your own self-care and just being able to invest in yourself so that you can come to these sessions and operate from a place of alignment how do you approach this what what are your rituals all the good stuff like how do you indulge Wow. Oh, gosh. I'm just a big self-care advocate, um, especially if you're a healer, especially if you're working closely with other people. Uh, for me personally, I do a lot of uh, meditation, particularly um, vagal meditation. It's meditating on the vagus nerve, which is the longest uh, largest cranial nerve in the human body it's uh our, it's basically our rest and digest nerve it's our parasympathetic activator so it does a lot for us and sometimes just even envisioning the path that it travels through the body activates a parasympathetic response within the body so i really like to meditate on my vagus nerves i'd say that that's the one thing that, that i do every single night it's so easy to do you can do it laying in bed uh before you go to sleep um so i do that i'm also a big fan of like planning for some reason for me like having a structure for my day I don't I don't know this might not work for everybody but for me having structure to my day really helps me um, carve out the times that I need to take care of myself you know like eat and drink water and exercise and so I, I plan I plan my day plan my day like every day and I make intentional space for moving my body, feeding my body, uh, taking deep breaths, drinking water, um, checking in with myself, checking in with my body, saying, okay, what's next? What's next? And then specifically before a session, um, I do a technique that 
I learned in school called the 211 process. So I'll bring my attention to something external, the body. A lot of the times it's the farthest sound that I can hear from where I'm standing. And that and something, again, external to the body, I'll normally bring it closer to me. So I'll, I'll choose a sound that's the closest to me, and I meditate on that. And from there, bringing it inside of the body. So I like to focus on my breath or my heartbeat, my physical heartbeat in my chest, and then I'll make my intention. And usually my intention before I start a session is to be coming from a place of loving presence. And I'll do that before every session, before I even see a client. What was your first session like? Ooh, let's see. My first, first ever, like, licensed and shiny and new yeah okay it was uh I actually did two in a row I did I massaged a friend of mine and his partner and it was so mind-blowing like (laughs) um it was it was really special it was really um carefree uh they're extremely kind people so that was really lovely they knew that I was new to what I was doing so there was like that gentleness about them that I really appreciated she is also a body worker so she gave me some pretty cool feedback afterwards that I benefited from and I, I learned so much. I was incredibly nervous. You know, I, I feel like there was a period of time that was a funny little learning curve for me. And, and I'm finding the more that I talk about this with other uh, uh, massage therapists or people that are in the healing arts in general, we all experience the same like oh my god like what am I doing this is different this is new um they teach you so much in school and then you kind of have to go out and carve your own path so I'd say like my very first session it was lovely it was fun um they were really wonderful and I learned so much about my flow and my my dialogue and little things like draping you know we didn't really learn a whole lot of draping in school because structural integration is a technique that you do with a person who's uh clothed and with a very little oil um it's extremely therapeutic and almost clinical so the work that I'm doing now is you definitely drape people and ensure safety and like cocoon them you know so I learned a lot about how to swaddle a human and it was just really fun it was so fun and did you ever have a session where you went into it you weren't feeling it and how do you work through that 
before you actually get to work on them. Oh my gosh, right? Oh, because we're all human. Yeah. And life is crazy. No matter how much we Um, self-care, it just hits us. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm really blessed to be in this work. I, I feel like it's so easy and it's a privilege to be able to let go as hard as it can be and just be with somebody else. It almost feels like, um, it almost feels like therapy to me in a way because I can just let everything that's happening in my life be out there. And, and that technique that I talked about, the two-on-one, is a really good way to get me into that organic, authentic space and away from the madness that's happening outside of that. Um, It can be really difficult. It can be really, really difficult. But like I said, there's something that feels really like such a privilege that I'm not doing something where I have to be super cerebral, you know, necessarily. Or, uh, you know, I feel like it would be harder if we had to talk. Like, I'm really glad I'm not a psychiatrist or something because I feel like it would be more difficult then. But just the fact that we get to go in and be really body-based and be really calm together feels like therapy for me in its own right. And so then I can really be – it might take some time, but I I can kind of let everything that's happening uh, outside of that room go. But I have had – moments where I have to just cancel I just have to cancel I can't it doesn't feel right to go into that space with them yeah they wouldn't benefit from that either then and what exactly what has body work what has that taught you about your own body oh my gosh everything I mean there's so much that weaving us together and when I started to learn anatomy especially I just was like oh my god that's that thing that I've been feeling I so highly recommend everybody getting into anatomy even just basic anatomy there's a book called trail guide for the human body and it's really fun Um, It gives you palpation uh, tips so you can kind of do like some self-discovery. But just, I mean, physically, you know, feeling these bits and pieces all my life, but not really knowing what they do or how they work or what they look like. It just blew my mind to see, whoa, this shoulder blade is a scapula and it looks like this and it has all this curvature and it nests all these weird muscles like chunks of me um so that was really cool especially for somebody who um I'm a really active person so I can 
overdo it sometimes and experience soreness and pain. And it's been a mystery until I started to learn all these bits and pieces of myself. I so feel like that they should be integrating this into schools and starting kids off young with this stuff. Because, like you said, it's true. it would be so beneficial, especially right now where there's just so much self, yeah, self-loathing and this not accepting yourself and seeing one's body as a home and how it carries you and cares for you and is so forgiving and what it can do when it comes into touch with others and just that we don't have any other place to go. Totally, totally, yeah, exactly. And I love to know who some of your favorite healers are. Oh my gosh, wow. Well, geez, I have a lot of um, favorite healers that I've met here on the island. Some of them that were my teachers in school. Um, Jessica Montgomery is one of my all-time favorite healers. She's one of the, like, real pioneers of Hakomi. Um, And she is a fantastic human. If you ever get a chance to meet her or have a session with her, you're going to just be so stoked. She's amazing. Um, Also... Uh, let's see. Jeez, so many. I can't necessarily name names on this one, but I'll say that uh, Auntie Angelines on Kauai is a healing space. Uh, um, it's got deep roots in traditional Hawaiian lomi lomi, which is the traditional Hawaiian massage technique. Um, it's a play. They say you can go in Anahola that's, uh, they have a wonderful sauna. They scrub your body with salt. They chant over you. And then they give you this fantastically loving massage. And it's two people working on you at the same time. And it is seriously the most, like, wonderfully indulgent borderlining like sensual experience it's so wonderful I can't even begin to explain it's so amazing they sing they like sing to you Ugh, it's oh crazy. my god that sounds luscious that sounds like <laughs> a, a dark dark rich chocolate cake but in the form of a massage oh yeah exactly that like seriously it's just like that and your food I just want to touch on food it's I feel like from what I've seen of what you post about food and it's just it's just essential it just makes you feel good and it feels like home so what are some of your stable recipes or maybe some things you're trying out right now oh oh my gosh this is so funny because I feel like such a food baby uh (laughs) I didn't really get like largely into cooking until I'd say like maybe two years ago it's kind of crazy but I moved here when I was super young and my mom didn't necessarily teach me how to cook 
And I also spent a lot of time like bobbing between apartments that I didn't really feel comfortable in as a whole. So I didn't want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. And I I did work trade out on an organic farm, but I didn't have any electricity or kitchen. So a lot of what I ate was raw. Um, And but then fast forward now to like three years ago, I moved in to the same place with my husband and we do a lot of cooking. So it's been fun to play and get to know just you know, the basics of like how to do this. Um, I'd say my favorite recipes right now are, I really love um, just chopping up a bunch of vegetables um, like roots and squash and I'll do uh, like leeks and keep them pretty whole uh, toss them in a bunch of oil uh, whatever spices you fancy I really have been loving to do like fennel and coriander and and maybe a little curry or uh, you can play with it really oh have you so tried adaptable, but no, that's so funny that you say that because I was reading this article from a woman on Food 52. I don't know if you know yeah. that website, but it's the one website that has like turned me into a person who can cook basically. <laughs> and uh, I read about this woman who like loves sumac I don't even know what it's like oh it's 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 tangy but you know what the the most basic way I can describe this is what's that that um spring it's like a spring onion pringle it's like that but not the disgusting not the gross version of that it's like wow this is what mother earth tastes like it's so amazing. You got to get your hands on that and just, you know, just throw it over everything because it's so good. I'm totally going to. I have to do that next. I've read that and I was like, huh. And then I even saw it in the store and I was like, huh. And it's just so funny that you're saying that to me right now. Totally going to get it. So it's what a spring onion Pringle is pretending to be, basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm going to get some, and then I'm going to toss all my veggies in it, and then I just roast it, like, 350 degrees in the oven, covered up, everything steams, everything gloms together, and then, like, 15 minutes towards the end, I take the lid off and kind of let everything get a little crispy on the outside. Mm-hmm. and you can serve that with rice you can serve it with with anything we'll take leftovers sometimes and make wraps with them with beans it's it's really good you can just use like a buttload of vegetables and make a ton of it at the same time and it just carries into like two three days of awesome meals and leftovers it's one of my favorites oh my god and also just having like like a wad of like just sourdough and you just you just smush it right on in there or pile the veggies onto it I love doing that too it's so good yeah I love sourdough I love really good bread and desserts anything sweet that you really like oh my gosh I 
devoted myself to making the perfect banana bread, which is a feat. But I really wanted something that was less, uh, less spicy and um, less, less normal. I wanted something kind of tropical. Because bananas, I mean, there's so many of them here on Hawaii. So I wanted to do something tropical but still has a lot of flavor. So I spent, like, three weeks baking banana bread, like, almost every day. I gave it away to everybody, my roommates, my neighbors, my friends, my mechanic, until I found this awesome balance of flavor and moisture and just all around banana yumminess. It involves brown butter, mm. which gives it like that extra oomph and uh, orange juice, lots of orange mm. juice and orange zest. So I would love to share that with you. It's like my very special banana bread yes. recipe. Yes, that, that would be I will welcome it with open arms, open mouth. My kitchen is yours. (laughs) Yes. And this may seem kind of gross and weird, um, but banana bread, like, I tried this a few weeks back, and it's bananas essentially with some Himalayan sea salt. You have the peanut butter and you make sort of an oatmeal-based bread, but you use miso and wakame and kombu seaweed. It sounds so gross, but I was mind-blown. It's like this peanut butter sweet salt tang, and I can't wrap my head around it. It's really just... I don't know. I just threw it all in, and it worked. Like, open to it sometime. Like, it's so good. Oh, we definitely have to trade. I totally need to try that. Okay. And I believe you that it's like something, there's something about it. I can hear it. I totally want to try that. You throw some pomegranate on that when it's out of the oven? Wow. It's, it's, it's really something. Ooh. We can trade like Pokedex back in the day. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. It's so funny. <laughs> like a a form that clients fill out and on the bottom it says like you absolutely have the right to leave this session whenever you want to like it's your right to say no thank you I don't want this and I also use the word well I'll say to people like if you are experiencing anything that feels bad or uncomfortable please advocate for yourself like I oh always use that phrase advocate for yourself advocate for yourself feel like more people need to advocate for themselves throughout life and so I totally like love to give people that option during a session like this is you this is your body this is your experience like advocate for yourself and tell me what you need and I'm here for you it's like don't live life on default you're not here for anybody for anybody else don't let them don't let them walk all over you yeah and like it's not already written necessarily you know like none of this is already written down you have options (laughs) you totally have options yeah we gotta stop caring so much about other people and i i just i have like received a few people saying 
why why advocate so much for listening to yourself and self-care and doing all this for yourself when you could be out there doing stuff for other people and putting time into other people and it's like people skip that whole part of I can't be there for other people in the best way that I know how to in the purpose that I am here for if I am not being there for myself first. Yeah, that's the first part to community work because you're part of the community, right? Yeah. I'm part of this community. So if I'm not addressing this here first, like how can I even, how can I even do anything? (laughs) I can't. Yeah, and you're not going to be a fun person to be around when you're high and dry, got nothing else to give, and people are just, they're not going to want to be around you. And that's when you got to, like, start looking at words in that moment. It's like, oh, oh, crap. I kind of have nothing left to give. Seriously. You know, it's funny you're saying this. I recently joined a group on Kauai called the LEI of Kauai, and it stands for Lady Entrepreneurs and Innovators. And it's just basically, like, it's really awesome it's like a networking group kind of for people or women specifically who own a business or trying to own a business or like have ideas about entrepreneurship and they get together once a month there's always a topic and it's like around the table discussion so everybody like shares a little bit about that month's topic and the last one I went to one of my teachers from school was there and the month's topic was, um, what was it? It was, oh, it was like, um, obstacles as opportunities. So like obstacles that we face that turned out to be great opportunities for us. And she talked a little bit about how she was going through a lot of like personal, um, physical, she was really sick and she didn't know why and doctors didn't know why and she wasn't really taking care of herself on top of it and she was saying like the time period where this was happening and it turned out that this was happening while she was teaching me in school and I t- totally remember in school being like she's not really there like you know, I, we had so many different instructors and I was just like, man, for some reason, like she's not really there. And she had this tendency to like project a lot, which we learned all about projecting in school. And she would always catch herself, right? Cause she, she's aware, she's an aware human, but she did a lot. And then we'd have our little like circles at the end of class every day and she'd apologize for it. And it really, I feel like this is speaking, like that speaks so, so much to that whole, I need to take care of myself or I can't do anything good for you guys. Like I can't, I really can't do anything that's going to have an impact because yeah. I don't even have an impact on myself right now. Do you have an example of a time where it was guts versus logic and you went with your gut? Oh, Definitely, definitely. It was that pivotal moment that I need to get away from where I am. And I don't know why, but I need to go to Hawaii. I need to go to Kauai specifically. Like that was such a, uh, from the outside, 
looking at me a really dangerous idea for somebody who was so young and immature and didn't really have a whole lot of skills, never really traveled before, let alone by myself. Like that was just logically, it made pretty much no sense. But on the inside, I needed to do it. It felt almost like I needed to do it in order to survive. Um, So that was for sure. That's the one that calls out to me the most where it made no sense, but it, it needed to happen and it did and, and it worked. And now you're here. Exactly. Exactly. This is Carly Guts and Glory signing off. This was Biopsychosocial Spiritual with Carly Jensen. Refer to the show notes to further get to know our guest. Share your thoughts and show us some love by subscribing or get in touch to be featured on the podcast. Release every other Monday. Thanks for lending us an ear. Passing on the mic.